Hi, Leaf Leavers. I'm Charlie, and this is episode three of Kratom Sobriety. Today, we have an interview with Logan, Kratom-free for nine months and clean of all mind-altering substances since January of this year. Logan went the route of seeking professional counseling with medicated assistant treatment and being active in 12-step meetings. There are many paths to kicking Kratom, and one of my hopes with the podcast is to normalize all these different ways to Kratom abstinence so new quitters can easily find what works for them. Logan has a very relatable story of stashing his Kratom in a ditch down the street from his house one time when he was trying to reduce his use. The measures we take can be insane at times when grappling with this substance. I tried putting Kratom in my garage at some point to slow down my use in my attempts to moderate. Spoiler alert, it didn't work. So some exciting updates. I mailed out the first Kratom free custom coins this week. Congrats to M on the West Coast for 30 days and E from the Rust Belt for 90 days. And thanks S for your note on last week's episode. They said, listening now, quoting them, the part where Elliot talks about the moment of realization, wow, I felt that. I skipped dosages and got sick, then took Kratom and felt better and knew that was when I had to quit. Also, the descriptions of withdrawal are spot on. I really appreciate this interview. World ending anxiety is really the best description, unquote. Thank you for listening, Ness. On that note, thanks to both Elliot and Logan for being the first two guests. And I appreciate that neither of these two young men called me Pops. If you want to be my best favorite person in the world, and if you have a Kratom recovery story and you were born in the 1960s or earlier, I'd love to have you on the show just to make me feel a little less ancient. Sorry at your expense. For that matter, I have made a commitment to myself to do at least 52 episodes and then decide whether to continue or to pass on the baton, maybe to a new host or something else. That means I need at least 49 more people to interview. So please email me at kratomsobriety at gmail.com if you would like to share your journey. One last missive on sound quality. It's a little too meta to talk about it every week, so this will be the last time. However, I want to let you know I fired the entire audio production department here. It was a bloodbath and will impact unemployment numbers in my state for months. The perfectionist in me wants to entirely record the first episode, re-edit the interview in week two, and release those episodes. Today's show is much better, but now my mic in the interview sounds too hot. Anyway, right now I'm channeling all my perfectionist tendencies to abstaining from Kratom. Now for this week's guest. This week, we welcome Logan to the show. I met Logan through another podcast, um, the Dopey Podcast, which I'm going to make the resource of the week and give you some information about this, that podcast at the end of this show. But Logan sent in some emails and some voice recordings about his experience with Kratom. Several listeners, including myself, uh, inspired us to start a standalone Zoom meeting on Kratom that's been going on for about six weeks. That was extremely helpful to me and several others. 
So we have uh, Logan to thank for that as part of the inspiration. Um, all right. Well, hey, I'm Logan. Um, my Kratom date, I was trying to think of earlier. I believe it's August um, 15th of 2022, somewhere around there, August. Um, and that was after many failed attempts trying to quit. That was the last time I did it. Um, so, and uh, I think that's the longest time I've had away from it in about um, five or six years, I think. Um, so, yeah, it's been crazy. And how would you introduce yourself to the world? Uh, I've definitely been through the ringer with um, addiction in my life. Um, I got in trouble at a young age in school and been through a few different rehabs and inpatients and a uh, couple detoxes and stuff like that. Um, I wouldn't say, you know, that defines who I am, but it's definitely been a big part of my life and a, a lot of teaching experiences, uh, to say the least. So, but as far as me, you know, I, I grew up in a small town um, with a pretty good family and um, like doing stuff outdoors, being outside, uh, nature and stuff like that are my hobbies, fishing. And, um, you know, when I was younger, I used to skate a lot and do a lot of sports and um, biking and stuff like that. And now I pretty much focus most of my free time on music. And uh, that's, you know, I can say that's one thing that saved me a lot and, and helped me, pulled me out of the the pits of, of different, you know, loneliness and depression. And it's been a good friend to me. Um, and so I put a lot of time into that nowadays. Nice, uh, do you play an instrument or are you more on the produce? producing side or a little bit of no, both I, I yeah no i don't have any very much skill at all in the production or um sound i'm learning a lot of it but i started off with the guitar i started playing uh i i had a guitar when i was younger and i never knew what to do with it and then my friend came over one day and he's like hey do you play that thing and i'm like yeah sometimes i know a few tabs here and there and um, so he started showing me chords and, and that's when I fell in love with it really, um, head over heels. It was like, he could play, I could play some chords and he would do some solo and stuff over it. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever, you know, and it, it just the, the magic that music brings to people's lives is, uh, it's really just a wonderful thing in my opinion. And, uh, I think it helps a lot of people. And so, so I love it and I've been getting into guitar and, bass and some different instruments and um learning all the different equipment and gear that comes with it and i'm also going to school this uh this month starting actually i'm starting a small course in school for it so i'm really excited about that and you know that's one thing i never thought that i would be able to do is go back to school but now that i've kind of got my head a little straighter um you know, it's an option that I have, and I'm going to try to do it the best I can while I have some time to do it. Excellent. So, my first exposure to Kratom was, um, like I said, about five years ago or so. Um, I had experienced, like I said, with a lot of other 
substances in my past. And at the time, I had been clean quite a while from everything other than, um, you know, I was definitely a stoner and um, messing around in the psychedelic world. Uh, but I had really thought that I almost, in a way, graduated from the uh, other narcotics. So um, for Kratom, for me, it was, you know, it came up. I had tried it a few times on vacation, and I didn't really think much of it. I didn't really feel it that much. It was very mild. I couldn't really tell if I felt it or not kind of thing. And then when I was home back in New York, uh, a couple a year or so later, I tried it again, and um, and I don't remember exactly what what I tried. I know I started, I tried an extract because um, I would get mostly the powder, but I tried a, an extract shot. A little, it was a mild one, but I was waiting to pick my girlfriend up from work, and um, it hit me in the parking lot. And I was like, wow, that is something, you know, I was like, that's pretty sure yeah. it felt like it felt like weed and an opiate and a benzo all at once. And um, so I was like, wow, that's amazing. And um, I was a little weary of the whole addiction side of it because I had heard about that. Um, so I kind of, I guess, eased into it a little bit. I wasn't like uh, I'm a very. I have a very addictive personality, so I was kind of careful with doing it too often. But upon trying it a few times, I'm like, oh, this isn't that addictive. And, you know, um, I just all the lies you you tell yourself in that time. And so I I just uh, <clears throat> I don't know. I started getting into it more. What what my excuse was that I was getting off my Lexapro and I had tried to get off that before and had some uncomfortability and you get the brain zaps and a few different side effects from getting off that so i was like mm -hmm. well i'll just use the kratom to uh you know uh help me get off that for a little while and um i don't know i just slowly got more and more into it i i remember feeling a little guilty about it and my girlfriend was like i don't know if that's a good idea they say it's like an opiate and people use it to get off opiates or stay off opiates. And I ignored a lot of that. And, uh, you know, I just tried it for myself and didn't think it was that bad. And, uh, yeah, I, I definitely was hiding it from some people and all the addict behavior, uh, slowly came back into my life. Uh, yeah. Regarding, regarding that stuff. And at the time you were clean from everything else. Yeah, I was I was smoking and uh, pot and doing psychedelics. There was there was a time where I was doing a lot of psychedelics and uh, and smoking a lot of weed, but uh, I I really was um, I was not doing any other drugs, and I really didn't even drink that much. R very rarely would I drink. Um, so I wouldn't say that I was clean, but I had was on the marijuana maintenance thing and uh my life i could say looking back was okay at the time i was working a lot and keeping busy but i remember thinking back and it was like i felt very melancholy and kind of blah you know and like i just was missing out something in my life could experience something more so um 
you know, I don't know. I view, I think abstinence is better, but uh, I guess it was better than being in the midst of, of opiate addiction. But, um, you know, it was just kind of white knuckling it, I guess you could say. Yeah. When did um, Kratom start to become a problem? So, um, you know, like I said in the beginning, I didn't think it was that bad. uh, And I didn't do it very, like I did it, I guess, pretty often uh, from a normal person's view. But I did it like once a week or or twice. And, um, And then it started to become more and... I don't really know when I started doing it like every day, but it wasn't very long. It took me to do it every day. And um, so I think that went on for almost a year. And it was such a slow transition into like, um, into it being bad. You know, I remember I got into the Kratom and then all of a sudden I got into nootropics and supplements and I was trying to search for all these different things that I could take that would help my performance or maybe give me a little little high or something like that and um, I got really into the supplement world and and I think I just slowly became more and more depressed and very aggravated and uh, anxious with life and so I just was searching more and more for all that stuff and so I think about a year in, I started to really feel depressed. And um, um, I think, and I started to get a lot of physical pain too. And I don't know okay. yet if that's from the Kratom, I'm sure it contributed because uh, I was diagnosed with, um, it's it's called chillblains and it's basically kind of like Renaud syndrome or arthritis kind of thing. Uh, but I went to doctors and uh, rheumatologists and they didn't a few quite a few of them didn't know I went to like three and you know also I started going to a lot of gastro doctors and because uh, my stomach was so messed up from taking the powder all the time I think that's what really caused it was that I was taking the powder and daily you know and my stomach was so messed up and so I started um, getting uh, heartburn and I would be puking every morning and like almost like morning sickness. And, you know, I'd tell people and they'd be like, what are you pregnant? And I'm like, I don't know what's going on, you know? And, um, so I just felt like garbage all the time. And, um, that's when I kind of was like, maybe I'll try to get off the Kratom. Uh, but it, I think it was even a, another year or so before I even tried to get off the Kratom, I was blaming it on everything else, you know? I can relate. The first couple of years when I was using it, it was like a once a week thing. Uh, and it slowly, it was last year, it, it kind of turned on me. Um, yeah. So I can really relate to that. Did you develop a tolerance? Uh, so you had to take more and more over time? Uh, definitely. Um, the tolerance, I don't know. I never really exceeded like more than So when I first started doing it, I was messing around and I read a lot on Reddit and different sources and um, I'd read like, and I I worked with a guy at a distribution center and he's like, you got to try to take like 12 grams and that's when it really hits, you know, and anytime I did that, I'd I'd get so sick and just feel like crap. And so I didn't like that. So 
I kind of found a good dose that worked, which was around um, anywhere from like two to four grams. And later on throughout my using, I, I did like two grams max, three grams max. So, um, yeah, I, I, I found a, a, a good balance for the amount that I did. And, uh, but my tolerance definitely went up in the fact that it didn't really work as long. And towards the end of it, it only worked for like 20 minutes. And it sucked because, um, you know, I kind of knew at that point towards the end that I was like, this isn't good. And I would take it and it would hit me. And as soon as it would hit me within like 20, 30 minutes, um, I would get aggravated. And I never had really been an angry person, but I had gained so much anger and I blame a lot of it on the Kratom and maybe it brought it out of me. I don't really know, but I would get so much anger. And so anyway, the, the dose would hit me and I would get um, irritated because I knew that it was going to be over pretty soon and that I would just come back down. And um, so it really only lasted like 30 minutes uh, towards the end. Um, and that I think that was the biggest tolerance issue was was the amount of time that it lasted. And I would uh, try to not take too much because I knew I'd feel like crap if I took too much. But uh, but I went so in the beginning, it was like three grams, three times a day. And then it became uh, three grams, maybe five times a day, or like two grams, like six, seven times a day or something. I always had it with me. I'd have it. I had this a piece of paper that I would fold up and weigh out a, a dose, like a three gram dose, and I'd put it in my wallet and I'd always have it with me no matter where I went because I knew I'd get super tired and start yawning and get muscle pains if, you know, if I went more than like five hours or something. And so, yeah. Yeah, I, I the same thing happened to me. I mean, I was on the extract shots, but um, at the end, they only were working for half an hour. And then I started taking two and that only worked for like a week, two at a time, you know, two at a time, three times a day. Um, and I could relate to the irritability. I, I called them uh, Kratom tan. You know, I'm a 50 year old man and I a loss of emotional stability. It was, it was kind of humiliating. I mean, fortunately, I don't remember, I, I, I don't remember any instances in public, but, um, and uh, did you have any experiences where you went out of state where it was illegal or you ran out of your supply and you had um, your off, you had your off Kratom kind of accidentally? Hmm, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess um, in the beginning of the first couple of years, I remember, well, I started buying it offline and it was a little bit higher quality than the gas stations and it was cheaper too. Um, so I would refrain from getting it from gas stations or smoke shops. And I would really just like try to buy the online stuff. And so there would be times where I'd run out and then uh, I would, I wouldn't have money or I would be waiting on a shipment and then I'd have to go a little while without it. And um, I remember some days like I would just not go to work because uh, I knew my shipment was coming or I'd be like, you know, and I was, I'd be so back and forth with jobs. It was just a hell. But I remember one day I was like, oh, I got to go home. I forgot. Um, I didn't even know. I said, I forgot my glasses. I was like 
I don't even wear glasses. Maybe I said autumn <laughs> autumn left her glasses in my car. I don't remember. So um anyway, I, I made a whole excuse to go a half hour back home to get a, sh- a shipment that I had waited on. Um, because yeah, if I went without it, then I would be tired and miserable and useless pretty much. Um, as far as out of state goes, I, um, I don't even think I went out of state very often. I would always bring a little bit with me if, you know, I don't think I took a plane or anything like that. And, um, I was trying to quit last summer and we went to North Carolina and I was trying to quit. Uh, and I did quit on and off so many times, but I remember like quitting, um, and I was like, I'm, this is going to be it. I'm done. And, you know, so I was kind of like in withdrawal in the beginning of that. And I could have bought it from smoke shops. We went to some smoke shops and I saw it and I was just like, man, it would be nice to do that. And, but I didn't, I went the whole week without it and, um, Probably could have enjoyed my vacation so much more if I wasn't uh, withdrawing, but we had fun and, and, you know, and then we got home and I ended up doing it like a week later or something like that when I was started working again. So, yeah. Did I hear you right? Did uh, the Kratom interrupt some of your employment in your jobs? Yeah, big time. Uh, I mean, I've struggled in the past other than you know, without the Kratom with work as far as like enjoying my job. And I mainly did construction um, since a young age and I just would work these different jobs and then I'd go work at a warehouse and then go back to construction. And I kind of was enabled a little bit by my uh, grandparents. They flipped houses and so I could go work with them anytime or my uncle. And I took advantage of that quite a bit and I'd quit a job and say, Hey, I need a week or two of work or, or I'm here to work for, for good. And then I would be like, Oh, I'm going to find another job. Uh, because I would just get so bored with whatever I was doing. And, um, I think a lot of that was because of the Kratom because no matter what I did, I would just be not happy. You know, it was like, I was always looking for something more, um, or I'd mess something up and just feel like so self-conscious and bad about it and um, think that it wasn't for me kind of thing. But yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I think the Kratom had contributed that a lot, but I also just started a year ago with this job that I have now that it's finally a job that I don't hate and I can kind of look forward to it and find enjoyment. And it's in, in the field that I like, which is music, you know, and it's, uh, I started out DJing for this guy for mainly weddings and, and a lot of, um, different events. And, uh, then he offered me a job full time and I almost, um, you know, I jumped with joy when he did that because I was like, no way you really have a job for me in an office. I'd never worked in an office. And I, and it was like, doing something that I enjoyed or at least involving stuff that I enjoyed. And, um, there's good, good and bad to it. And, you know, it's probably the least amount of money that I've ever made throughout my whole life. And I'm only 25, you know, but, um, it's something that I don't hate. And I, and I, that is, uh, irreplaceable in my opinion, you know, so many people spend their whole lives doing something they hate. And I think 
it's like, what's the point of doing that? You know, if you, if you hate it, if you don't enjoy life, um, I save this little tea thing that says, uh, you know, one of those teas that says like the quotes on it, it says, um, now I can't remember is, uh, a man who knows how to enjoy life doesn't need riches or something like that, you know, but I heavily believe in that. I think that's an important thing in life. Yeah, we spend a lot of our time on the job, so that is really important. And I mean, my 20s were a lot like yours, but it was more for my drinking. Um, so I, a lot of us have some growing. Um, I'm just that's exciting that you have a job that you enjoy that's in music. How, mm -hmm. how did your quit finally come together last August? So, uh, like I said, I tried so many times to quit, um, and I did, I was successful for a few months. I think even, you know, I don't know the longest time I stayed away from it. A whole summer I stayed away from it. And um, I think you shared last podcast, you know, some the the thoughts that come in your head. Oh, it wasn't that bad. Or I was just doing the wrong strain or the wrong kind or whatever, you know. So I, I relapsed so many times on it thinking stuff like that and thinking, well, maybe I just need to try the extract or maybe... Uh, like we were talking earlier, I made the tea and didn't consume the whole leaf and, um, you know, so many different things. Or I would just say, I'm going to do it once. And all of a sudden, I'm. It's it was so crazy. I, I would be like, I'm going to do it once. And then the next, a month would go by and I'd find myself like, man, like I'm back to doing it every day. And now I want to quit again. And I'm going to withdraw if I have, if I try to quit. And it was like. I, numerous amounts of times that happened to where I was like, how did I get here again where I where I'm scared to stop doing it, you know? So, oh, to answer your question, the um, I don't know. I, I, um, I tried so many different things and I, I think what really worked for me was um, just keeping active and um, being honest. And I got back into 12 step program and I've, anytime I've done that, I've been pretty successful, but I, I would always try to, I would always really get cocky with it, I think. And, um, as far as like AA and stuff goes, I don't know if I could say that, but, um, I would get really, um, think that I could do what I want or, you know, I'd start smoking weed again and, uh, eventually do other things. But, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I um, would stay active when I quit and I would do a taper down and that was really hard to do because it's like you always just want to take more. Um, and, you know, there was one point where I had a bag, I bought a bag of it and I threw it out kind of down the road from my house. And so I knew it was down there and um, I wouldn't like drive by. I did drive by a couple times and grab a few capsules and then leave the bag at the ditch. But I would like ride my bike up and get a few and leave it there. So I kind of made it hard for myself to even do that. And um, it was just so hard to stay away from it, you know, with it being in the stores and everything. It was it was like impossible for me in that aspect. It was so much harder to quit than other things because. I, I didn't have to search it out. It was right in my face. Like alcohol, you know, I'm sure it's hard for alcoholics to quit drinking like um, in that area. Um, so 
I did the taper and um and and the whole working thing was really hard for me to to go to work and be feel like I was being productive and feel not exhausted and emotional and all that stuff and um so that was a big thing um but anyway I you know when it came to quitting um what I did the last time in August and I was at my wits end because I kept buying it and I'm like I don't want to buy it but for some reason I'd go and buy it and I can't tell you how many times I'd go and sit in front of the store and say don't do it, Logan. You don't need to buy it. You know, it's not going to help you. You're going to feel like shit. You're going to, you know, I have so many different things. And I'd go up to the door or I'd go inside and I'd look at it and I'd be like, oh, I'll come back. And then an hour later, I'm buying it. Or maybe sometimes I would walk away and like go a day the rest of the day. And then the next day I'd be, you know, have a crappy morning because I'm sit, you know, withdrawing and it's like I'd buy it. And, um, so anyway, um, I, I went to find a, uh, a recovery center out in Saratoga by me. And I, I set up like I wanted to get a counselor again. And um, I just didn't know what to do because, you know, it, it brought me to the point where I was so miserable. I was so much in pain physically and mentally. I was more emotional than I'd been in my whole life. And, um, and I was really suicidal. Like, I just didn't want to live anymore. And I was like, you know, I keep doing this stuff and I don't know why, and I don't want to, but I, I just tell myself it's just going to be once or it's not going to be that bad or so many different things. And, um, so I really didn't know what to do anymore. Uh, I had tried so many times to quit and, um, I was just like beat down, you know, and, I got hooked up with this recovery center and a counselor and somebody mentioned, uh, or I think I heard somewhere that somebody went on the Suboxone for it. And okay. I wasn't really super um, excited about that idea, but uh, I was like, maybe if I can do a taper off of that, I'll try that. And so that's what I did. I went to the recovery center and they hooked me up with the Suboxone like that day. And, um, and it was funny cause I was like, it, I knew they made the two milligram strips and I had tried Suboxone before and I knew eight milligrams was way too much. Like I had abused it before. And so that was another reason I was kind of cautious, but I told them like, oh, I don't need eight milligrams. If you can give me two milligram strips and they send me a thing of 38 milligram strips. So throughout, <laughs> throughout the month of August, um, I was eating like a milligram a day and some days two milligrams if I had to do like a DJ gig or something, but uh, one and a half or so milligrams a day. And I did a slow, very, very slow taper. And, um, and I finally got down to like the smallest little speck of it. And I'm sure it would have been easier with two milligram strips, but I did the smallest, tiny, it was probably like 0.1 of a milligram. And, um, and I knew this guy, which I don't recommend, but I sold them. And, and I just tried to stay away from him because, uh, he also sold me a bunch of other stuff at the time. And, and that's another thing that I wanted to mention. Like, like I told you, I was really staying away from the pills and stuff, but. 
after a couple of years of being on the Kratom, I didn't care. I wanted anything and I did get back yeah. on the pills and I relapsed and I smoked heroin one day and thank God, you know, my friend, um, didn't get it for me again. And, but I was doing pills and everything else again. It was back to the hell that my life was before, you know, and I was lying and hiding it from my girlfriend and my family and everybody. And, um, so, um, sorry, I'm, this is, uh, I'm drawing it out a little bit, but, uh, I'll, that's I'll, okay. <laughs> I'll get to the point here. Um, so I did this taper and I sold it and, uh, I, I was starting a new job that I found that I thought maybe I would like. And uh, when I started the job is when I ended the taper and I was going to AA a lot, like a lot, a lot. And um, that helped a lot. And, but I was smoking weed. So I did the taper and I was still smoking weed and I started this job. And I remember we had to do like a week of training for the job. And I was exhausted. I was so tired, mm -hmm. you know, for like two weeks. I was just dead tired. And, um, you know, like, so anyway, I started the job and I was learning and it was okay. I, after a couple of weeks of being there, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like this. And I had, my big concern was the pain in my hands I would get in the winter time. And, um, and really just all throughout my body. And that's one thing I didn't realize was the Kratom just made that worse. And I'd get a lot more pain and inflammation when I thought the Kratom would help that. And it really didn't. So anyway, did the taper. And my plan the whole time starting the Suboxone was to get on naltrexone because I knew that I couldn't use opioids on the naltrexone. And I wasn't sure if I could do the Kratom but I had heard that it didn't work either. So I, that helped me the most, I think was getting on the naltrexone. And when I started that, it was really like a big relief. You know, I was still a little tired and stuff like that, but I knew that I couldn't go and, and use Kratom that day. And if I had to wait four days for the naltrexone to get out of my system, then I would, I wouldn't do it by then. Like I would think about it so much and I just is like not worth it, you know? So um you'd come to your senses right yeah um so that helped a lot being on the naltrexone and um yeah I, I i stayed away from it for i mean that was august um but i had a few slips between there and not on kratom and not on um opiate pills but on uh other things like um benzos and um, so not very many, but a few, and I was smoking weed a lot and I was back and forth on the whole, like, is weed going to be okay to do? And, um, I'd quit for a while and then I'd start doing it again and quit for a week and then start doing it again. And, um, ultimately, well, I quit for a while and then we moved to this apartment and for some reason I just was like, I want to smoke weed and I started doing it and then I started doing it every day and just like was so obsessed with it. And I really realized for me that the weed kills my spirituality and it kills my motivation and confidence big time. And it gives me a lot of anxiety. And I know it doesn't affect everybody like that, but for me, I'd be so anxious from it. And, um, 
so I really figured out that I can't do the weed either. I can't do anything like that that makes me feel any type of good or different or anything. So, um, yeah, so I read yeah. on the um, benzos a few times and I ended up getting back on the Suboxone because of that. So I'm on the Suboxone, I'm on three milligrams a day. And, um, you know, I, I, I would say to anybody struggling with Kratom, you can probably definitely do it without the Suboxone because it's essentially substituting, but, um, you know, and I am a little bit weary of, of getting off the Suboxone because it's going to be like, I'm going to have to go through that again with the, the whole fatigue and aches and whatever. So, um, but it has helped me to stay motivated and I, and I've been clean now for, uh, my last slip was January on, on Xanax and that, that was a surprise to me because I really didn't think I would do that and pick up and uh, it just happened to be right in front of me and, and I did it and I, um, I think that really what had to happen for me to realize that I can't do the weed thing and any of it so uh, grateful for that but you know I wonder sometimes if I um, made the right choice being on the Suboxone but it has helped me to to keep my head in the game essentially and um it's not like Kratom in that the whole roller coaster of highs, you know, it gives me a, a slight bit of energy when I take it in the morning, but it's not like I get high and uh, I'm able to focus a lot more and I'm going to meetings and I'm sharing and uh, I've been getting back into like speaking at meetings and um, stuff like that. So there's pros and cons about it. Um, but I, yeah, I think anybody, you can do it without it. Um, it's not a necessary thing, but if you absolutely need to, maybe try a taper and um, see, see, you know, talk to somebody. And I got a counselor too, and that's that's helped immensely. Yeah. yeah. So. In the rooms, did you were able to find a, a space to talk about kratom or in the AA? Yeah. Uh. I've brought it up a few times and I've gone to some NA meetings, which are pretty much done around here. There's like three of them by me, but uh, I've brought it up, you know, and for me, it took me realizing that it's all the same. And so I just like, like Dave on, on Dopey, you know, he never really drank much, but he says he's alcoholic and that's what I do kind of. And, I never really drank a ton. I started to get into it when I did try to quit Kratom a couple times. I would just resort to drinking a lot more. And um, so I've talked about it and I talk about it one-on-one -on -one more so with people that are in 12-step. In but uh, yeah, I guess I'll mention it because I think that's important in AA. People not always are just alcoholics, and a, and a drug is a drug is a drug, you know. I, I ask that because I'm an AA guy. I have the belief that like kratom is just kind of like green booze. You know, I was going to the meetings and it just it wasn't helping me with the the kratom, and people didn't know what it was, and um and that was one of the things that scared me was on the kratom. Eventually, I was like, I might as well drink, and that really scared me. Um, yeah, because uh, my bottom with drinking was like bad um so I, it was really when we created the space with this the kratom specific meeting when i could start to talk about the kratom specifically that that it really helped the, um well i, I want to say i think that's an important thing is for, with a kratom it brought 
me back to the to the effort mode where I didn't care what I was doing, you know. And um, so it really is like it's a very it does the same thing to your mind, I think, as any substance. Four or five. Well, congratulations for being clean since January. That's that's a big deal. Um, so how has the last uh, let's see, it's May, the last five months gone, both yeah. cranium free and and clean from the other stuff? Uh, well, another thing I want to say was when I did relapse in January or, you know, the slip deal. Uh, which that I I count that as my sobriety date, um, but but I don't forget that I didn't do kratom since August, because I could tell mentally, even though I had relapsed for a couple of days on benzos, that I could tell that I I was like I feel good because I haven't done uh, opiates or kratom. You know, I could I could physically see the improvements in my mind and everything else from it. So I didn't discount that, you know, um, because I think that's important. And like, if you didn't do alcohol for two years, that that's a lot of progress, even though you've been doing something else, it's like, there's still that, that you have in your arsenal. It's like, you've learned certain things from that. Maybe you can apply it to the other area. It's been good. You know, I, I can't complain much. Um, I've made so much improvements in a lot of areas of my life. Um, the, the job is, has been pretty good. Um, it's a little bit different for me and it's, um, I wouldn't say it's overwhelming, but it does get to be, um, it's almost like sometimes I'll think too much in the future of like, am I going to be okay? Like making, making it here and, and learning this stuff and, but I can't really think about that. I just have to worry about what I have in front of me. Um, but, you know, I've been able to um, save money. It's like I'm not always broke every week. Like when I was doing Kratom, which isn't a lot of money. I mean, it can be, but the powder is not that much. Like you buy an ounce or whatever, they have three ounces of powder. Or offline, it'd be $12 for an ounce or three ounces. or I forget now, but... Um, so I would wonder why I'd be broke because it's like, I'm not buying expensive drugs, but I still have no money. And I think a lot of that was the whole effort mode that I'd get in with eating out a lot or purchasing toys for myself or whatever, or just spending lavishly when I don't have it, you know? And then, so I'd spend all my money, even though I'm saying I'm going to not, and I'd be broke Monday and have to wait another week to get paid or two, whatever I was doing at the time. Um, if it was bi-weekly, but so I've been able to save money and pay my bills and not have to borrow money or just make late payments on things. And that's such a stress off my shoulders. Cause that's one thing I'd get so upset. And when I, there would be, I remember days when I was using Kratom that I would have um, no money. And that was, you know, that was a thing where I'd go through where like three days till I get paid, I don't have money, so I can't do it. And, and, you know, because a lot of the times towards the end, I would buy it and I throw it out the window or the garbage and I'm like, no, I wish I had it. And then I'd buy it again. And it was just like literally burning my dollars. So, um, the insanity that it put me through was crazy. Um, but yeah, you know, I've been eating better. I've been reading more. I've been going to meetings and being um, honest and talking to people and stuff. And it's a, it's a slow 
um, like each day is, um, you know, a little bit better of an improvement in, in every area of my life. And, um, you know, it's, it's not like every day is amazing, but if I think about how I felt when I was in the midst of using Kratom and everything else, or even just Kratom, you know, I was hell. I did not want to be on this earth and I just, I couldn't find any positivity anywhere. And now it's like, I look around and I have so much to be grateful for. And if I do look at those things that I'm grateful for, that helps so much too, you know, but, um, you know, so many different things and my relationships are better. Uh, me and my girlfriend, like, she, um, I'm beyond blessed for the amount of shit she's put up through with me, you know, um, the stuff I've put her through and, and it's just crazy how, how, how like immature and stupid I would act, you know, and, and she would just like deal with it and, know that I have something going on. And even though she didn't understand it, she tried to, you know, and, um, and she, she's just amazing. But being clean, yeah, has to be a real upgrade for your relationship. You know, I was on the expensive, the, the OPMS shots and just that in itself was very expensive. But I found when I was on Kratom, I sort of had like some manic spending sprees. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I maxed out my credit cards and like, I think it was the advent of the last couple of years. Like you can buy stuff online now and like installment. Still, <laughs> I made some purchases that I'm still, yeah. when I was high on Kratom that I'm still paying for. So it, it, it really uh, affects your judgment on yeah. in many areas of your life. That's um, a good way to put it. Um, what is your best advice for someone getting ready to quit Kratom? Uh, I don't know, because I tried so many different things. I, w I wrote, I had this piece of paper that I wrote down a pros and cons list. And there was like two pros with the Kratom and it was filled with cons. And I would be like, I'm going <laughs> to look at this every time I'm going to go buy Kratom. And I never freaking opened, I opened it a couple times and it helped me a little, but, um, but I think the biggest things are, um, to just try to stay positive and remember that just because you feel negative and your mind is um, hazy and you just think so much negative stuff is going on. A lot of that is just the Kratom talking and um, things get better. They really do. You know, um, I think that's a big one because I would feel depressed and I would think that it's never going to get better, you know, and um, I think being a little bit active, go for a walk or exercise or do something like that. Uh, you know, a cold shower has helped me sleep. Like Elliot was saying that do the hot and cold. I like, I was taking cold showers and that would kind of help me sleep a little bit. And, uh, I think a big thing is just to get, um, uh, some type of network. One thing that helped me a lot was, uh, every morning I'd wake up and I'd go on the quitting Kratom's Reddit and I would read a couple stories and I'd be like, yup, I don't want it. And it would really help those thoughts go away of like, maybe I can do a little bit or something like that. So that helped me uh, quite a lot. Um, and, uh, and talking to people about it, I think is big journaling helped me a lot. 
I mean, I have a whole journal on my bookshelf about, I would write when I was doing the Kratom days here and there. And then even uh, for a few months, I wrote every day. And then when I quit, excuse me, when I quit, I would write here and there. And the better I felt, the less I wrote, I noticed. And I haven't written in there in a while. And I even, you know, I've told myself I'm going to start writing in there every day again. But um, that, I don't know, that kind of gave me something to look at how my mind was at the time. And and when you just mm -hmm. read the words you wrote, you know, you remember exactly how you felt and how you were thinking. Um, so that helped a lot, you know. And now I, now I can look back and reread it. And it's like, wow, I do not want to go through that again or deal with it and um just the depression and the insanity and like you said the manic uh there's a lot of manic sprees and um i was all over the place whether i'd be happy or, or sad it was just such a roller coaster um so yeah the journaling was big and i think getting a network of people like it's so cool we have the kratom meetings now through dopey and um um, go to AA, even though they don't want to hear your Kratom talk. It's like, screw them. Yeah. You know? It's all, it's all the same disease. It's not like, you know, and I look at it like this. Um, I never was a full-blown alcoholic, really. I, I sure as hell would be if I didn't have other substances, I'm sure. But, but if I have an issue with smoking pot or doing Kratom, that's going to bring me back to alcohol for sure. I know it is, you know, so it's like it all ties in. It is related to alcohol, even though it's not the same substance. So it's who cares, you know, what they say. That's how I look at it. Um, and screw them if they want to tell you to get out of there because, you know, I don't know. That's dumb to me. But uh, it's it is a real thing. And and. Whatever. So anyway, the journaling, the networking, the little bit of exercise, if you can, um, and keep your mind occupied. Don't sit home and and, um, you know, just play video games. I mean, that I, I would say do that because a little bit because at least keep a, a balance, you know, don't overwhelm yourself or push yourself too hard and then feel guilty if you didn't get your goals or plans done. It's not a, a contest, you know, it's like you got to balance it. And if you need to take a day to just watch movies, I did that a few days and, and that kind of helped to um, do that. But if I got too bored, that was a little dangerous, too. So, yeah, you're right. You don't want something that's too stimulating. But at the same time, yeah, uh, idle hands and boredom can yeah. be um, just as dangerous as elation. So. Yeah, before we um, wrap up here, I'd like to add. Uh, another thing that kind of helped me quit, um, which I didn't rely too much on, but uh, some supplements I took were ashwagandha was really good. Uh, make sure you get KSM 66. That's a more studied extract, and uh, it really helps. It helped me with the, uh, the stressful feeling and the overwhelmed feeling, and it helped me kind of chill and realize, like, I'm going to be okay. And, things are going to get better. And, uh, it doesn't really give you a high, um, because I did try to overdo that when I was doing Kratom. That was one of the supplements I found. And you just get a big migraine if you take too much of it. So take one or two a day in the morning, but that helped me so much. I'd wake up and take an ashwagandha for like 600 milligrams. And I would just feel so much more calm 
than if I didn't, you know? Um, so ashwagandha, L-theanine is a good one, which you can't really abuse or overdo. And agmatine sulfate, which you also can abuse. Um, if you overdo it, you might crap your pants or be farting all day. So there's that, but uh, it helps with the muscle cramps immensely. And um, it also is a calming substance as well. And they sell that in GNC and like pre-workouts and stuff, but they don't sell it separately. So get it off uh, Amazon or something like that. Um, but I think those three things, I mean, I tried so many, I tried black seed oil and uh, I can't even think of, you know, vitamin B. I mean, I take fish oil and curcumin every day and uh, vitamin D, but, but those substances I mentioned, those uh, supplements, I think helped a lot. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just want to wish anybody luck that's going out there or that's out there struggling with, um, with any type of addiction and, um, don't be too hard on yourself. Um, you know, it's a day at a time, take, take things one step at a time and, and don't overwhelm yourself. Cause that's easy to do if you're, uh, if you're um, not thinking right. And that's a good reason to have a network of people that you can talk to a counselor or, or good friends or find some people in the quitting Kratom or quitting whatever Reddit or um, just get people to talk to because that helps a lot. And it helps to verbalize what you're thinking and realize like maybe I'm not necessarily thinking that or maybe I'm overthinking it. And, um, you know, um, just uh, take it easy and, you know, keep motivated, keep keep optimistic and positive and uh, listen to some some good music, some reggae or something, and get your mood up. <laughs> yeah, I'm putting you on the spot here, but do you have a go-to song? Some Watch House was good. I just, I would like to, you know, I just just cry and and cry my emotions away, and that felt good uh, <laughs> to get it out. So uh, I guess let me get look up Beach in Hawaii by Ziggy Marley. That's always a good one. Beach in Hawaii by Ziggy Marley. Okay. Or some Bob Marley and the Whalers never, never fails. And, um, yeah. And in August, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure to send you, uh, one of our Kratom free coins to celebrate a year. Yeah. I know. Right. You, uh, yeah. So that's cool. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Logan. Now for Kratom in the headlines. Today's more of a rant by me than hard news. On April 28, 2023, in the publication Psychiatry Advisor, with an article tagged Addiction Disorders, they had a piece entitled Kratom Use in the U.S., What Clinicians Should Know. I was very excited at first. I thought I would be sounding the alarm about Kratom addiction or Kratom use disorder, telling treatment providers about how this is a real and rising problem in the country. However, through interviews of two clinicians, the article really downplayed the risk of Kratom and failed, in my opinion, to warn practitioners about what their patients may be facing in terms of Kratom addiction. Most of the article advocated for policy prescriptions I have already said I support. However, what we really need here in this country are more substance abuse professionals and researchers to be alerted about Kratom addiction in a sensible and measured way. Like in one spot in the article, an interviewee said the FDA's consumer warning about Kratom use, like the one issued in 2022, 
was heavily overstating the negatives. Sorry, no. We have an entire Kratom retail industry promoting it as a harmless plant. So thank goodness the FDA is expressing caution. Even a safe supply and harm reduction advocate like myself, who thinks criminalization and moral panic is not a good idea, in my opinion, the biggest issue we face is near universal focus on the positives of Kratom. So here's a hot take. I think researchers have a bias here. If Kratom becomes banned, it becomes harder and impossible to study when it's a scheduled substance. I don't think there's a nefarious motive going on here, but with how I see it, I think scientific investigators may have an unconscious bias to downplay the negatives of Kratom so that it continues to be a field that remains open for study and research without much limits. Maybe the 12-step programs have it right, not taking on outside matters. But we are grown-ups and have brains, and now that we are not in Kratom, our thinking is much clearer as well. The issue to me with Kratom is not exaggeration. The issue is minimization. Resource of the week. Both Logan and I were really helped by listening to the Dopey podcast. It was originally started in 2016 by two former drug addicts, Dave and Chris. Two years later, Chris sadly relapsed and died of an accidental fentanyl overdose. But Dave has continued on with the podcast for over five more years with over 400 episodes and more than 9 million downloads. The show is not safe for work and not something you would listen with the kids around but it meets many listeners where they are at, meaning a significant number of the audience is still in active addiction. What makes Dopey brilliant is that it is a gorilla recovery show. While heavy on the war stories, it makes the idea of getting clean accessible to many addicts by being entertaining and never preachy. The podcast listeners voluntarily organize three Zoom recovery meetings a day, and one meeting a week right now is dedicated to Kratom abstinence which is how Logan and I met. So if you feel like an outcast for mainstream self-help programs, Dopey may be the place for you. On episode 409, all three guests on Dopey talked about their ups and downs with Kratom, including comedian Margaret Cho. I will put a link in the show notes, but you can find Dopey on all major podcast platforms. Before we end, just a quick caution about not wanting to trigger listeners. Last week, when Elliot and I talked about Tia and Fenebet, I wasn't trying to give new ideas to fellow addicts. I really wanted to warn people about both those substances. Dopey can be explicit too at times, so be forewarned. Listen to your inner voice when something becomes too much to listen to or watch. For example, I found the second season of HBO's Euphoria show to go too far with the drug use, even though it was beautifully shot and well written. It took me a couple weeks to bounce back from that. So always use caution in your media consumption and do what's right for your recovery. Before we say goodbye this week, to get in touch, please leave a voice message at 313-437-7720 or send an email or audio file to kratomsobriety at gmail.com. We'd love to celebrate a Kratom anniversary for you, with you, and if you want to share something for an episode. You can also find us at Kratom Sobriety on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Until next week, keep it Kratom free. (laughs) 